The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. Hi, my name is John Cousins. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Hill Church, and we're so glad that you're tuning in to watch our Easter service. I can't wait to share with you in just a few minutes about this day and what it means for each of us. I also want to let you know that as a church, we're here to pray for you. As friends and family members, we want you to know that you belong, and we would love to connect with you about any prayer needs you have. If you have a prayer request, you can send it to us directly in our messaging connected here to this page, or go to hopehillchurch.org and click the word prayer in the search menu, uh, the, the, the tabs, and send us your prayer request. We'd love to partner with you and praying with you about whatever you have going on. We also want you to know that this is a season where while we have to be socially uh, distanced, we're not to be socially disconnected. We have a ton of groups that we would love to invite you to be a part of. Uh, If you're not a part of a small group, a community group is what we call them, then go to our groups tab on our website and find out more. Or if you want to just right now in your comment below, type the word groups, we will have our team reach out to you. Go ahead, test us on it, and write the word groups below. We'll follow up right away. Uh, And last but not least, we have a brand new series starting next week. Uh, Right now is an uncertain time. And in uncertain times, there can be a lack of peace, anxiety, stress. And we want you to know you're not alone. And God is with you. We're going to be starting a series next week on how to deal with stress, worry, and anxiety at times like these, knowing that we have a church family and a God who loves us. So let's now prepare our hearts as we dive in to today's message. Yes, Jesus Christ is alive. He rose from the dead in that day, that Easter Sunday morning, that first Easter, when Mary and Mary Magdalene and Siloam went to the grave expecting to anoint a dead body. They saw the angel sitting there. And they said, where is Jesus? The angel said, he is not here, he is risen. I submit to you tonight that that's the greatest news the world has ever heard. He is not here. He has conquered the grave. He's alive. And ladies and gentlemen, I believe that there's more proof that Jesus Christ rose from the dead than almost any other fact in Roman history. I don't believe there's a fact in ancient history today so well proven as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But even if there was no proof, no historical proof, no scientific proof, and there is, I would still believe it because I believe this book is God's inspired word and the whole early church went up and down the country preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was the thing that shook the Roman Empire. That a man had risen from the dead. That he was alive. That death could not hold him. Christ is alive. He's a living Savior. He is risen. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. 
I am so glad that we are able to come together uh, through the use of this modern technology to celebrate with literally billions of people around the world this special day. Our entire faith is based on this foundation that we have a God who loved us so much that he became flesh, that he lowered himself and came and stepped into the mess of our world to demonstrate love and compassion to then go to a cross in our place, uh, taking on a Roman crucifixion, one of the worst suffering deaths of all time. He who never sinned, he didn't deserve the death, he did nothing wrong, but he who never sinned became sin in our place. All of the sins that have ever been committed, all of the sins that you and I do, all the sins that we have not yet to do, Jesus took them upon himself and in victory, he conquered sin and death by dying on the cross in our place. He was buried and on the third day we celebrate that he did not stay dead. He rose again. He conquered sin and death and in victory rose again so that you and I can experience forgiveness and new life. Today I want to read from you from the book of John. The book of John is one of the letters that was written by one of Jesus' closest friends. Uh, There are are a number of letters written. A a, a letter written by a guy named Matthew who is a close friend and disciple of Jesus. A a guy named Mark. a, A doctor named Luke. And the book called John in the Bible. And I want to read this from John chapter 20. This is a record of what happened on the first day of the week, Sunday, where we, why, why we celebrate Easter today. Here is a record um, from John's point of view, things he wanted us to see. And I want you to hear this. I'm going to read through it and I'm going to pause here and there to kind of give some comments to what is being shared Um, so that we can see the full picture. And I pray ultimately that Jesus Christ is honored, that your heart is open, that the Holy Spirit works in you and through you as we read together. So this is uh, John chapter 20, and we're just going to read through it. Let's read together. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and she went to Simon Peter, the other disciple, uh, and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. Jesus loved all the disciples, by the way, but John, instead of naming himself, calls himself that, the beloved disciple. And said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have laid him. You see, what happened on Friday that we just celebrated a couple days ago, Good Friday, the reason it's called good is because the greatest act of all history took place. Jesus, in an act of love, went and died for us. He wasn't killed. Jesus said, you don't take my life. I have the authority to lay my life down, but I also have the authority to pick it up again. And that's what we're celebrating today. On Friday, Good Friday, He laid down his life. He's been in the tomb, and this is the third day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and he's rose again. The scriptures predicted it, but the disciples, they're they're clueless still. They're not sure. Mary Magdalene, she's worried that somehow 
grave robbers have come and, and taken the body and she's freaking out. She went there early that morning to anoint the body, you know, in Jewish tradition and custom, um, they would, uh, they would apply, you know, spices and, and, and fragrant ointments to keep the, the body from smelling bad as people came to the grave, to, to the tomb to mourn. And that's why Mary was going. And I'm sure in her heart, she also was just weeping because she couldn't believe Jesus, her Savior, was gone. She arrives and finds the tomb empty. Now, you and I know the story. We know that this is, uh, this is what it's all about. Jesus rising again from the dead. But this caught her off guard. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we don't know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, that's John being mentioned. And as they were going to the tomb, both of them were running together. But the other disciple, John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there. You see, they had wrapped Jesus' body in this linen, the same kind of linen that Mary wrapped her baby in when, when he was born and lied him in a manger. From the very first moments of Jesus' life, we have him pointing to this moment, the linen cloths, Jesus born to die. So Peter went, John got there, he stooped in, he saw the linen cloths lining there, but he was in shock and he didn't go in. I'm sure he had no idea really what was really happening. It, 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 and we see that in scripture in a minute. Then Simon Peter came following him. And Peter, he's, he doesn't care what's going on. He, he says things at the wrong time. He acts wrong at the wrong time. Peter is known for being uh, acting first, thinking second. And he gets to the tomb, sees John standing there, ignores him, and just runs right in. He's got to see what's going on. Peter came following him and went right into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up and placed by itself. you believe what just happened? Jesus was dead just moments earlier. He was wrapped up, bound up. He had, by the power of the Holy Spirit, coming back to life. And you know what the Bible tells us? The Bible tells us the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in the hearts of those who believe. But get, get, get what's going on here. The linen cloths have been unraveled. They're laying there. And Jesus took the time to unwrap his own face. To fold up that linen cloth that was covering his face. And he sat it to the side. As he conquered sin and death and victory. Took your sin and mine and buried it with himself. To give us new life. Then the other disciple. Who had reached the tomb first. Again that's John. Also went in. And he saw. He saw the linens. That were covering the body. He saw the headpiece. Set to the side. He saw an empty tomb. A year ago. A number of us got to go to. The garden tomb. To walk in and see, you know what, it's still empty. Praise Him. 
He is risen. He has resurrected. He is alive. And that is what we celebrate with literally billions of people who are alive with us on this earth right now. And the angels in heaven and those who have lived before and those who are yet to come will also continue to celebrate that Jesus is not a dead moral teacher. He is a risen living Savior. John went in and he saw this. And what does it say? Verse 8, he went in, he saw, and he believed. My greatest hope today for you, if you are tuning in to an Easter service, maybe for really the first time ever, that your heart is opened, that you're hearing this story, that you're seeing it unfold, and that today you are believing. Let's continue on the story. It's so awesome what, what continues to happen. Now, Mary, she also had arrived. She had gone there earlier. She went back and told the disciples, John and Peter ran to the tomb. And now Mary is back. She's come back and she stood there weeping outside the tomb. She can't believe what's happened. Her savior, her, the one who, who, who came and did everything is gone. The one who gave uh, sight to the blind, who healed the lame, who raised Lazarus from the dead. How could he be gone? She stood out there weeping. She, and she looked into the tomb, verse 12. And she saw two angels there in white. Yeah, John and uh, I, I skipped verse 10. The disciples went back to their homes. They, they're going and telling the reports to everybody else. We'll catch up with that story later. Mary comes and, and the two disciples are gone. But now two angels have come and they're in there. In the Old Testament, what's so cool, the way uh, the things that happen in the Old Testament, the entire Bible is about Jesus. The entire events of the Bible point to God becoming flesh, him dying for us, and him conquering sin and death and in victory rising again. And even these two angels that are there, these two angels were seen in the Old Testament. You see, the Bible tells us that they were to build, the Israelites were to build this box out of, out of normal wood. And they were supposed to cover it in gold. And in this box, they were supposed to put significant things that God had, had given them. Uh, the Ten Commandments, uh, 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 a budding, um, uh, forget what it's called, but a, uh, Aaron's staff that budded. And some of the manna, the bread from heaven. They were supposed to put these special things, a symbol of God's presence, every single one of these things Pointing to Jesus. The law pointing to the one who came to fulfill the law. The budding staff, the one who comes to be our vine as we are the branches and his fruit buds forth in our life. The manna, the bread that came pointing to the bread of life. This box was a symbol of where God would meet with man. And on the top of this box there was angels' wings, one at one end and one at the other, with their wings, them facing the box, and their wings giving shadow and covering over the top of the box, and this special bread on top, the bread of heaven. And Jesus is that one who, in the same way, uh, in the tomb, there was this slab of stone in the shape of a square. 
and Jesus himself, God in flesh, there on top of it. An angel standing at one end, an angel standing over the other, looking at the bread of heaven. God become flesh to meet us where God would meet man. God became man. Man, the God-man, took our sin upon our, himself and died in our place. And us coming to this tomb, seeing it empty now, where God came to meet us. Do you see how it all connects? I pray that you would see and that you would believe. Mary stood there weeping outside the tomb, but she went and she looked inside and she saw the angels there. One uh, where the body of Jesus had been laid, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. Having said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. She turned, no longer looking in the tomb, she turned around and she saw a man. It was Jesus, but she didn't know it was Jesus. Again, she's in shock. She's not seeing clearly. Having said this, she turned, verse 14, and she saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener. She had no idea it was him. I don't know if it was the tears in her eyes. I don't know if it was the shock. I don't know if there was something supernaturally different about Jesus. We do know that Jesus had encounters with other people. And they didn't recognize him until he opened their eyes. Stories for another time, but it's so powerful. But here in this moment, she's thinking, this is the gardener. Maybe he knows where... For some reason, maybe the body had to be moved. A lot of times the tombs were used by family groups. And this was a borrowed tomb. If you remember from the prophecies, Jesus wasn't laid in his own tomb. This was the tomb of a man named Joseph. And, and maybe they had to move the body. Mary's trying to figure things out. And she's asking now the person she thinks is the gardener. Where's the body? They've taken away my Lord and I don't know where they've laid him. And she says this, supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. You know, she's come to take care of the body. She wants to make sure that the one she loves is cared for. And then Jesus spoke to her, the one she thought was the gardener. And you know what he says? Jesus spoke to her and said, Mary. He just said her name. That's all. Right now, I believe Jesus is saying your name. I believe right now, Jesus is saying, Lisa. Jesus is saying, Matthew. Jesus is saying your name, Richard, Susan, Mark, Tyrone, 
Jesus is saying your name. He wants you to hear his voice. He came for you. God became flesh to come and show you his love. He loves you. He died for you. He rose again for you. Do you hear him calling your name? Do you hear him saying your name today, right now? If you hear him calling your name, in the comments below, I want you just to put one of the praying hand symbols, whatever it is, respond. Do you hear him calling your name? He is calling your name today. He wants you to know that he loves you, that he came for you. If you were the only one here, he would come for you. He loved you. He took your sin upon himself, not to come to judge you, but to give you freedom, to give you new life. And that life can be yours today. He says, I've come as a shepherd to those sheep and those sheep who hear my voice will listen. Do you hear his voice today calling your name? Do you hear him? Do you hear him? Mary heard him call his name, her name. Jesus said to her, verse 16, Mary, she turned. And you know what? A lot of them spoke different dialects, different languages. And a lot of times when we're pierced to the heart, we speak in a language that may not be common or may go back to our nature. In Aramaic, she yells out, Rabbanai, teacher, it's you. How could I ever have doubted you? At the mere mention of her name, her eyes are opened and she sees it's not the gardener. It's her savior. It's her Lord standing right there. And she falls and she, she runs to him and she grabs hold of him. I mean, who wouldn't? You love him. You thought he was dead. You thought he was gone. And now your eyes are open seeing that he is alive and he is saying your name. She runs and she clings to him. But Jesus, I'm sure in a loving way, says, whoa, whoa I've got so much more. This, uh, my work has just begun. And he says to her, um, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers. In another passage, go and tell my brothers and Peter. You know why that's so special? Because Peter, just hours later, had denied Jesus three times. And I believe this is Jesus' way of saying, you know what, I know that sometimes you're going to doubt. I know sometimes you're going to fear. I know some things are going to happen at times in your life, and you're going to walk away from your faith. But I want you to know that I still love you. The next chapter, which we're not going to have time to read today, Jesus is sitting down having breakfast with Peter. And three times he's going to ask Peter, do you love me? Knowing his heart, do you love me? Why three times? Because I believe Peter had to be reassured. You know, I denied you three times. And you're telling me, you're making me realize that I do love you and that you know I love you. And Jesus says, you know what? I do know you love me and you're going to die for me. But while you're here on this earth, feed my sheep, take care of my lambs. The mission I've given you, even though you doubted, even though you denied me, even though at times you feel like you've walked away, I've got a mission for you. 
and I want to use you. I want you to know that I'm here with you in spite of your doubt. It's not about how great your faith is. It's about how great I am. It's about how, it's not about how much you do for me. It's what I did for you. Jesus, regardless of your brokenness, still loves you and he still wants to use you. He still has a plan for you. And here he says Mary's name. And he says, go and tell my brothers and Peter. Go and tell them. I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. The father in heaven is, is our God. He's our heavenly father. God loves us and wants a personal relationship with each of us. He doesn't want us to think of him as some distant religious figure to be worshipped from afar. He wants an intimate relationship with you and with me. Jesus said, I'm going to my father and your father. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. So later that evening, the disciples, you know, they've heard from Peter and John now. They've heard from Mary. According to the other books, they've heard from other eyewitnesses, other, other uh, women, other individuals went to the tomb. They saw for themselves. But still there are some people doubting. And I know that that might be what you need to hear right now. These words on that evening of that day, the first day of the week, it's Sunday night. The doors were locked. The Jews were f still fearful. You know, the disciples, they were turning away from traditional Judaism. They were turning away from um, the laws of, 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 of being taught by the Pharisees and the religious leader of the day. And they were willing to die with Jesus. And the Jewish, the religious leader of the day, had Jesus put to death. And so they were afraid that they might be next. So they're, they're hiding behind locked doors for fear of the Jews. They also thought maybe, maybe somebody's going to blame us. They're going to think that we stole Jesus' body. And the, the Roman guards are going to be sent after us. So they're, 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 they're shaking in their boots. They're scared to death. The doors being locked. The disciples were there for fear of the Jews. But Jesus came and he stood among them. The doors were locked. <laughs> Jesus just literally passed through the walls. And he said to them, peace be with you. They're afraid. And what does Jesus bring in the midst of our fear? Peace. Peace that passes understanding. In the midst of our chaos right now of this coronavirus and what's going on, and we don't know if we're going to be shut up in our houses for the next two months or, or, or however long, Jesus speaks into the midst of this time. Peace be with you. Next week, we're going to start a series on, on peace on, on how Jesus hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Many of us were dealing with worry and anxiety. And, and I want you to know that Jesus came to give us peace. Now, not just in the future, in some far off place. Here today, in the midst of this, this current struggle, this current storm, Jesus promises to always be with us. So tune in next week as we deal into how Jesus has the remedy for our fear. He is the cure for our anxiety. He is there and he says to the, the disciples who are fearful right now, peace be with you. And he said this and showed them his hands and his side, the scars in his hands, the, the, the stab wound in his side. He showed it to them and the disciples uh, were glad and they saw the Lord. Jesus said to the, them again, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am now sending you. 
And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. He has been sent preparing them to carry on the mission. He came to do what only he could do, to die in our place. He had earlier said, where I'm about to go, you can't go. (coughs) What he meant by that was to die on the cross. Nobody else could die in our place. Sure, we might give up our life. A good man can die for another, but only Jesus can take away the sins of the world. Only Jesus could be the sacrificial lamb. But he said, as the Father sent me, now I'm sending you to go and to tell this message to all the world. And you can't do it alone. You need the Holy Spirit. So get ready. I'm about to send the Holy Spirit. He told them, if you forgive sins, they will be forgiven. And if you withhold forgiveness, it will be withheld. We have the power to do uh, miracles in Jesus' name. We have the power to offer people the realization that they can be forgiven of their sins. And we are here to do just that. If you're listening today, And you know you're stuck in sin. Jesus is here to set you free and to forgive you. He did not come to condemn, but to set you free. Receive that today. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, we've often known him as Doubting Thomas, and here's why. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand on his side. I will never believe. Did you see what they did to our savior? Did you see how they nailed him to a cross? They killed him. How can he be alive? I I can't believe it. And that's where he was stuck in his fear and his doubt. But eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them this time. They had come together to be together. And though the doors were locked again, they're still locking doors. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. He's come this time to let Thomas know. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. Hold my hand. Hold my hand. See the scars. It is me. Thomas, I love you. I did this for you. Put your finger here and see my hands. Place your hand here on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? You know, this is not a put down. Jesus is not putting Thomas down for his faith. Jesus is willing to be what we need. He's calling our name. To some of you, he's going to show you himself in special ways. He's going to give you a second and third and fourth and 15 millionth chance. He's calling your name now. He wants you to know that he did this for you. For Thomas, touch my hands. Touch my side. Don't doubt me, Thomas. Believe in me. Jesus said, 
Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. This morning, or whatever time it is of day when you are watching this, Jesus is saying your name. He made you to have a personal relationship with him. He knows everything you're dealing with. He knows your struggle, your fears. He knows your doubts. And he loves you still. And the beautiful message of Easter is that he died in your place and my place to take our sin. You see, the Bible tells us that our sin, our sinfulness, our brokenness separates us. It makes it impossible for us to have a relationship with him. But the Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 9 that if we confess that we need him as a savior, if we let him know that we know we're sinful and that we are sorry for our sin, that he is faithful and that he is just. And knowing that his son came to take our sin, he paid a price we could not pay. The payment's already paid. You don't have to pay for your sin. You simply have to accept the payment that has been made in your place. If you confess, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. There is none too far from God. He is willing to forgive you right here and right now if you call out to him. If you are calling out to him right now, I would love to know to pray for you in the comment sections. Just put it there that I believe. Just put that word, I believe. Put in there, I believe. If you right now are putting your faith in Jesus Christ for the first time, I believe. I'd love to go back and look at the comments and reach out to you personally. And I would love to help you to see and begin your walk with Jesus. The first step is being born anew, being born again. And if you are hearing his voice today for the first time, let me know just by saying, I believe. I believe. I am here to help you. I am a simple, broken person as well. I, I sin. I struggle I, I had to come to a point myself where I confessed my sins. And, and you know what? I still get my feet dirty every day. I still trip up sometimes in the mess of the things that get a hold of my life. And I've got to come repeatedly to Jesus to say, Jesus, I'm sorry. But I know that you love me. And I know that you're here to forgive me. And I know that you're here to save me. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to set us free. To offer us forgiveness. And if you are realizing that anew today, I want to help you. In the comments below, if you would say uh, that you already are a believer, then I want you to know that this story is a story that you and I are to repeat, to continue to tell those who are living in fear, who are living in doubt. And uh, we are here to make a difference we are here to let people know that Jesus came 
to save, to forgive, to love. And I want to help you grow in your faith. I want to encourage you to tune in to uh, Facebook and to our, our HopeHillChurch.org page to be built up, encouraged, to, enjoy, to connect with one of our community groups so that you can be built up and strengthened and, and, and walk in your faith. But again, for those of you who are at a point where you know that today is the day where you are putting your faith in Jesus for maybe the first time, I want to pray with you a simple prayer. There's nothing magical about these words. The only thing that can truly save us is our faith in what, what Jesus already did. But this simple prayer is a way of you letting God know today that you are putting your faith and trust in Him. He knows your heart. So if you want to pray along with me right now, just pray these words with me. Dear God, I realize I'm a sinner separated from you. I can never reach heaven by my own good deeds, but you have made provision for my sin. You have made the way possible for me to be forgiven through Jesus Christ. Right now I place my faith in Jesus Christ as God's Son who died for my sins and rose from the dead to give eternal life. Please forgive me of my sins and help me to live for you. Thank you for accepting me and giving me eternal life. Father God, I thank you for each and every person who is listening to this right now and hearing you call their name. I pray, Lord Jesus, that in a way that only you can, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would let them feel the powerful presence that you want to have in their life, that they would open up their hearts to receive you, and that you, Holy Spirit, would begin your transforming, transformational work in their life. Come and make us new. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in our place and for rising again and now giving us new life. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And I'm so excited for those of you who have begun your new life today. You've heard Jesus call your name and you have turned to him and said, Lord, Rabbi, Teacher, Savior, come into my life. Again, in the comments below, just write the simple words. I believe if this is your decision today that you are choosing to put your faith in Jesus for the first time. And I will be working through each and every one of you that comment, putting um, the word I believe to help you um, know how much Jesus loves you and how much he saves you. I love you all. I love what God has done for us. And I love the fact that the church is not canceled. Church is not closed. We are the church and we have this mighty work to continue even in the midst of this storm. Join us next week as we begin a series sharing with us how we can continue to grow in this hope and this faith and not struggle, uh, but to have a spirit of, of strength and love and self-control. 
knowing that our God is with us even in the midst of every storm and every crisis. I love you. Happy Easter. And I'll see you soon.